Hey, Cornerstone. How you doing? Man, it is good to be back. Uh, just want to do a real quick shout out to Santan and then also to Scottsdale. Man, glad you guys are going to be part of this discussion. We're wrapping up the Contender series uh, today. And uh, here's my hope. My hope is that this series has bothered you a little bit, uh, that this series has kind of nudged on you to, to say, look, I, I, can't, I can't be on the sidelines. I can't be uh, kind of passive about my faith. I, I need to be a contender. I need to run up to the coach and say, coach, put me on the field. Let me get in the game. Let me have the ball and be a contender uh, for Christ on the deal. Hey, I, I think you know, you probably have seen, I haven't been here the last couple of weeks, and I just want to say thank you uh, for your graciousness and for the willingness to kind of lend uh, me out. Uh, there was a group of churches in Australia that came to us a while back and just asked, hey, is there any chance that you would come over and just teach and lead and pour into a whole big group of pastors that we got. So it ended up being me, it ended up being my wife, uh, Lisa, and then uh, Stephanie Diaz, who is our executive over children's ministries, and we just went for two weeks and just poured into the Australian church. Yeah. A lot of fun. Here's why that's cool on your part, guys. The Australian church is about 20 years behind the American church. And so the opportunity to go over there and talk to leaders and to be able to share over the course of, you know, just a couple days each time, things that it's taken us a bunch of years to learn and suddenly move the leadership of the Australian church forward, which means because we were talking to leaders and because this gets multiplied, your generosity of letting us go and do that may have affected just literally thousands of lives. So guys, thank you for that. Thanks for being that type of church. Just very, very cool. We got to do it. All right, so we're wrapping up Contender, and we're simply going to ask the question today is, uh, what is one of the biggest landmines that keeps you and I from engaging in the game the way that we ought to? What is it that kind of trips us up from becoming contenders on the deal? Every single child who has ever been born on the face of the earth at some point has said to his parents this same phrase, Hey, that's not fair. To which every parent who has ever lived in the history of the world has given that child the exact same response. Life's And the truth is, we know this, right? We know this. We tell our kids this. But the problem is, when we're the ones on the short end of the stick, suddenly the little kid comes back for us. Hey, uh, give me the smallest slice of pie. And I'm like, hey, hey, you need to cut a little off yours and a little off yours and we're putting it back in here. Isn't it interesting you and I aren't that worried about fair when we get the big slice of pie? We get the big slice of pie, we're going, God is so good. All the time, God is good and God is good all the time. Oh, man, thank you for your blessings on me and the big piece of pie. You're working at the corporate office and you're in sales. And it just so happens that one of the people on your team is getting transferred to Dallas. And so they're going to take all of their clients and distribute them amongst the rest of the sales team. And there's one, there's one client that's massive. And if you were simply to get uh, that one account, I mean, the, the commission off that would be amazing. And lo and behold, you get the account. 
and you go home to your specials going, man, I'm just telling you, God is so good. He just provides. He's better than I deserve. You realize there's three people on that sales team going home and saying to their spouse, God's unfair. Man, I, I don't know. We prayed so hard. We, we've been so faithful to the Lord. How did that joker get the account? Because the honest truth is, when my piece of pie is smaller than the other people, then, then I'm really worried about fair. And when my piece is bigger than fair, it's not quite as big a deal to me. And isn't it true that whenever you and I are talking about this whole fair, what we're really saying is, you know, how come life's not even? How, how come we don't all get the same breaks in life? How come we don't all have the same opportunities in life? How come they got that? I didn't get that. How come, how come they're so far ahead? Why did they get to be born in that family? Why are they so good looking? How come they have so much fun? How come everything they touch is so good? And how come I got what I got? Couldn't it just be even? But isn't it true? Don't we already know this? That life is never even. It, it isn't fair that that's just an absolute impossibility. And what contenders do, you ready for this? What contenders do is realize that we're not all going to start in the same spot. It's not all going to be fair. And, and that's not even the question. The question is, what do I do? What do I do with the hand that God has dealt me? It's the question of a contender. All right, grab your Bibles and go with me. It's Matthew chapter 25. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find uh, this book of Matthew, it's the first book of what we call the New Testament. It's the first gospel, which is the telling of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. So it's Matthew chapter 25. Back of Bible, work left. While we're getting there, here's the problem. That sometimes, sometimes when I look and see what others have, I use that moment of unfairness as an excuse for my own irresponsibility and bad behavior. That I look and go, no, 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 look, I mean, I don't know, how come they got that, and why didn't I, and, you know, if things were even, I'd feel differently about them, but I mean, if they get to be that far ahead, if they get that much, why, why, why even try? See, this is the person who steals and says to you and me, hey, look, it, it doesn't matter. I was born into poverty. So whatever I've got to do to make the scale right, whatever I've got to do to even this, it doesn't matter. Because I was, I was started out with disadvantage. This is the person who walks into every room and relationally wounds everybody else. I mean, they just, the words they say are so harmful. The, the, the way that they respond to stuff is just attacking. And, and they say, look, look, here's the deal. You don't understand my family of origin. You don't understand how messed up my home was. And if you did, then you'd understand and you'd excuse my behavior because I started with a disadvantage because of my home life. See, this is the person who medicates with alcohol every night. And they'd say, no, no, I get it, I get it. It's probably not the wisest thing to do. It's probably not solving anything for him. But here's the thing, look, look. If you'd had as many bad breaks as I've had, if you'd, if you'd had the same amount of unfairness in your life that I've had in my life, then you would understand why I medicate. And the problem is that when you and I begin to look around and go, hey, wait, how did they get that? Why is that unfair? That that unfairness can become an excuse for my bad behavior and my personal irresponsibility. And guys, I'm just telling you that when we do that, it starts a downward spiral in our lives, which is almost unrecoverable. 
Parents, I'm just, this, is, this is for free. Don't make excuses for your kids. I know, I know, I know. They were born with ADHD. But your job is not to excuse that. Your job is to help them overcome that. Your job is to help them learn how to live that and not to make excuses for them. Benjamin Franklin, great theologian, said this. You ready? He that is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. It's interesting because uh, I got late last at night and uh, I, it was like 10 o'clock and I was sending my verses into the production team and I included the quote from Benjamin Franklin, he that is good at excuses is seldom good at anything else. And then I wrote on there, I said, guys, I'm sorry this is so late. I've been traveling to Australia and then last week I had to go to Alabama and I haven't been around. So I get here this morning. I get here this morning. They haven't typed in the Benjamin Franklin quote. And I go, well, you know, guys, I gave that to you, so you put it up. And they go, oh, we just thought that was a moment of self-reflection. <laughs> Here's something that's interesting. Isn't it interesting that sometimes unfairness on the side of abundance can actually become an excuse for being irresponsible and bad behavior. That, that sometimes if I just have like tons of resources, tons of benefits, tons of opportunities in my life, that all of a sudden I go, oh, hey, it doesn't matter. Uh, there'll always be more. You ever seen people who have tons of money and you look at them and you go, are you, you spent how much on a car? It's got four wheels. Whoa, 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 whoa. If, if you had that, do that, you realize what you could have done with that resource? And you just, a car? You've seen people who are just unbelievably strong intellectually, and, and they show up for the class and take the test, and they pass it without studying. And you and I are the ones that sit there and go, man, I had to, I had to cram for hours to just get a B on that test, and you showed up and got it. If I had your intellectual capacity, you know what I would do with that? But sometimes in abundance, we waste and neglect, and, and our abundance actually becomes an excuse for irresponsibility. You've seen people with tons of physical talent, and they just don't apply that, and you go, are you kidding me? If I had that talent, you know what I would do with that physical ability? I think it was Alan Iverson a while back that got in trouble for not showing up to practice, and he goes, practice? Practice? Why do I need practice? Because if you've got that much physical talent, and sometimes, sometimes either the lack of being having what others have or the abundance of having more than what others have actually leads us to moments of irresponsibility. And guys, look, 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 look. This can change whether or not you and I actually ever become contenders. So here we go. Grab your Bibles. It's Matthew chapter 25. Here's what you and I are going to discover. The question is never, is life fair? We, we already know that answer, right? The answer is no, it's not fair. And so therefore, guys, look, that's the wrong question to ask. And when you ask the wrong question, you'll always end up with the wrong answer. I had a while back, I had a pastor come to me and he said, he said, hey, Lynn, look, 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 I know my sermons are boring. And, and I know, I know, I know that our worship is like 40 years old. 
And I know that our church is dry and stodgy and unwelcoming, but here's what I was wondering. How can we attract young families to our church without changing anything? You get the wrong question will always take you to the wrong answer. And here's what you need to know. The question that you and I need is not, why is life unfair? The question that you and I need to be asking today is, what should someone do who was dealt the cards that I've been dealt by God if God was depending on them? What should someone do with the advantages or disadvantages, the unevenness of life that I've got? What should someone do who's got the cards that I've been dealt do if God was depending on them? Here we go. It's Matthew chapter 25. Jesus addresses this question. He walks us through and navigates, starting in verse 14. And here's a little look. There is a chance you've heard this story before. You've heard this parable before, but maybe not in the light that you and I are about to look at it. And my hope is, is that you and I see something new and maybe more clearly today because we took this time. So here we go. It's Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus says, again, it will be like. Now, here's what you need to know what's happening. Jesus is getting ready to tell a parable, and Jesus uses parables when he's getting ready to teach some of the most confusing and hardest to understand life lessons. And so what he does is he tells you and I a story that as we begin to take that story and hold it up to life, you go, oh my goodness, that's how that works. That's what happens. And so the parable suddenly brings insight. The second thing that he says here that is really critical to catch, he says, again, it will be like He's referring back because he began a series of parables by saying this phrase, the kingdom of God is like. Now, here's what you need to know. Whenever Jesus says that, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, here's what Jesus is saying. God created it. God made all the rules. God understands how this thing runs. So, when I tell you the kingdom of God, the things that God has put in place, I'm telling you how the world works. So, if you can grasp this, this will change your life. And again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted them. He gave something to them, his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Right off the bat, it's unfair. Think about it a minute. He gives one five bags of gold, he gives one two bags of gold, he gives one one bag of gold. Now, every parent knows you give each kid three bags of gold, right? That's what you do, because you, you got to be fair. And yet, Jesus says, no, 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 let me explain to you how God works. He gave one five bags, he gave one two bags, he gave one one bag. And you have to, you're left to go, wait, 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 wait why, why, why would God be that unfair? In the story, Jesus says, the master, who we know that's God, right? Went to his servants, us, and gave to them his wealth. Now, let me just ask you a question. If I'm the master and the servants belong to me and I'm giving them my wealth, my income, my assets, 
don't I have the freedom to give to each one whatever I want to give? I mean, can't I say, you know what, I think that one's more dependable, I think that one's more reliable, I think I'll give them a little more, and I think that one, you know, maybe would be challenged by this, I'll give them a little. If it's mine, if it's all mine, if the people I'm giving it to are mine, if the assets, if it's mine, then don't I have the right to give whatever I want to give? And if I gave differently, that wouldn't be unfair, would it? And guys, don't miss the moment. Don't miss what Jesus is telling you and me. Since you and I belong to God, since your life is not your life, it's His life, and since every single thing you have, every capacity, every ability, every opportunity, every talent that you have in your life is His, if He gives that out unevenly, it's not unfairly because it's all His. There's another part of this that I think is interesting. It says, ready for this? He says he, he then uh, he gave two bags to one and another bag to another, each according to their ability, which means, get ready for this. He's not doing this capriciously. He's not just rolling a set of dice, oh, six, okay, you get six. Roll, oh, two, okay, you get… He's not doing this willy-nilly. There has been thoughtfulness in this. He has considered what was appropriate to give, and he gave what was appropriate. Some of you, uh, you know my story, and uh, you know that when I was nine years old, my parents divorced. You get that was my assignment. And look, look, look here, I'm not telling you that God caused my, God didn't cause my parents' divorce. Matter of fact, the truth is, uh, my parents' divorce, I guarantee you, broke the heart of God. Matter of fact, Scripture says God hates divorce. But here's what you need to hear. You ready for this? When God put me in that family, He knew there would be a divorce, and yet He still gave me that assignment. My baby sister uh, was autistic. And you've heard me talk about this. I mean, Diane was huge, especially she had to be watched 24-7. Uh, she would do all sorts of misbehaviors, simply get attention. It was very, very common for us to have a guest come to the door, knock on the door. Diane would come running around the corner of the door, hi, boom, and just hit him as hard as she could. And because, hey, you get attention. Explain that to a nine-year-old. Man, we were broke. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty convinced we may have been uh, the poorest family in Tempe. Uh, I spent a lot of time getting free lunches at school. Uh, the little church down the road uh, would go to the supermarket and they would get cans of food that had lost their labels because, see, the store couldn't sell them anymore, so they would give them to the church for free, and then the church would give them to our family. And because my mom would get up early in the morning and drive my baby sister and then come back really late at night, us kids would be sitting there at dinner time and you'd go and you'd open up the mystery can. Oh boy, beets for dinner! And guys, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know where I fall. I, I know I'm not the five bag of gold guy, I'm not the five talent guy. Part of me wants to say, hey, I, you know, I, I started out with the one talent deal, but I, I guarantee you there's people in this room, you'd go, Lynn, your story's literally compared to my story. 
So, so maybe I'm the one and a half talent guy. I don't, one and a half bag of gold guy. I don't know. Here's what I do know. God was not capricious. He didn't willy-nilly the assignment. You see, my baby sister who needed 24-7 care and attention and grace and kindness, he gave her to a brother who was intuitively self-interested and selfish. And every day I had to come home and be gracious to my baby sister. And you don't think that God knew that later on my assignment was to be a pastor, and the last thing you want in a pastor is someone who is self-absorbed and self-concerned? When we struggled for money, I got to watch a mom who stayed faithful, faithful in her walk with God. And I'm just going to tell you that every one of the Winters kids knows this. It doesn't matter what the bank account looks like. If you've got God, you're okay. God, I'm just, here's all I'm saying. He doesn't give the assignment capriciously. He doesn't give this assignment without thought, which is why it's not about fair. Here's the question. Is it possible? Is it possible that whatever that is that God has placed in your lap, whether it's great unfairness and parents who, who struggled to be good parents or financial hardship or, or physical uh, restraint in your life, is it possible that was the perfect assignment for you? to become and do what God intended for you. Because he doesn't make assignments by accident. Back to the passage. Verse 18. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Verse 16, sorry. Verse 16. Here we go. The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once, and he put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag of gold went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, here's an interesting thing. When he starts off, he says, hey, the guy who got five bags of gold went off and put his money to work. Here's a big question. When the Bible says his money, whose money is it? See, because I think we're inclined to go, oh, well, it's the guys with five bags. It's his money because God gave it to him. No, 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 no. And here's how you know better. When you get down to verse 18 and it says, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money because, because, because it never was his. And every talent, every capacity, and every ability, and every opportunity you've ever received in your life was never yours. It was always his. I think there's a chance that uh, the guy who got one bag was jealous. That he was envious of the other two guys. I mean, he's, he's, he's in that moment going, I mean, why does that dude get five? I mean, why, why two? I'm, I'm just down here with my one. I'm just, I mean, dude, if you don't trust me more than that, God, if you don't, if you don't care about me more than that, I, why am I even trying? 
What? And don't you just want to say this guy, guy, look, dude, dude, are you kidding me? You, you have a golden opportunity. Forgive the pun. You're going to get that later. You're, later on, you're going to go, man, Lynn is so sharp, bags of gold, golden opportunity. You're going to go, wow, so glad he's my pastor. All right, so, but don't you just want to say, like, dude, are you kidding me? It's not even your money. It's what God gave you. You have this amazing opportunity, and you're going to dig a hole? You're, that's your answer? Dig a hole? Why not spend this moment proving to God that you can handle more? Why not take advantage of the opportunity you've been? Do something amazing in this moment. And besides that, I mean, look, look, look. He just told you pretty soon the master's coming back, and you get to give an account. You get to stand in front of Jesus and tell him what you did with what you were given, the cards he gave you to play, and your answer is going to be, I dug a hole. And I'm just wondering if the things that you and I are inclined to say to the one bad guy isn't a conversation that maybe some of us should have with ourselves. To say, wait, 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 I mean, you've been so frustrated with God because of what he didn't do and what he didn't, or you've been given so much and you're really piddling that away and you're not leveraging. Are you kidding me? Your answer, your answer to the unfairness of, is to dig a hole? Back to the passage. It's verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained more. Your five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Ready, ready, ready? You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't miss the moment. God was just unfair again. The guy who did five and gained five more, was put in charge of many things. I, see, I think, I think in the moment we go, oh, well, well, you know, many things is he had five and now he has five more. That's ten, so that's what he's in charge of. That's not what it says. It says the guy who had five and got five more was then placed in charge of many things. But watch this. The guy who had two and doubled it was put in charge of many things. Because, 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 guys, guys, don't miss this. It doesn't matter where you started. It's what you did with the cards God gave you. It's what I did with what God laid in my… And you realize that the guy who had five and doubled it and the guy who had two and doubled it did exactly the same thing. They were absolutely faithful and doubled what God had given them. But think about this for a second. What if the guy who'd had one had tripled it? Wouldn't he have been the servant of more honor? Because he would have tripled it. Because, 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 guys, it doesn't matter where you start. It matters what you do 
with what God has given you. Back to the passage. Then the master who had received the one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your bag of gold in the ground. See, here's what… He's blaming God. He's going, God, look, you know, I mean, I knew you were tough, and, you know, surely life was unfair, and so I just didn't even try, and it's kind of your fault, you know it? Here's what I love, man. Jesus is having nothing, none of that. Watch, watch the response. His master replied, you wicked and lazy, so let's just be honest. This isn't about disadvantage, and you didn't get the opportunity. This is just about you being lazy. This is just about you not taking your stewardship, just saying, look, I think it's all for me, and I don't, I'm not going to be concerned about leveraging it for God. I'm just going to… And you dug a hole. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and I gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put your money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags of gold, for whoever has will be given more. Those who are faithful will be given more to be faithful with. And they will have abundance, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And throw this worthless servant outside in the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what gnashing of teeth is? Regret. You ever had that moment where you go, should have asked her out. It's the third quarter when ASU is finally mounting a comeback, and they throw an interception. It's regret. It's regret. Which takes you and I to an interesting moment. Because, because, because some of you in this room, some of us are five bag Christians. And God, God has just blessed you. And the truth is the unfairness of your life is that you have so much. He's blessed you with wealth. He's blessed you with talent. He's blessed you with intellect. And what you've got to be careful of in this moment is that you don't become so self that you just go, look, there'll always be more. It's apparently all for my benefit. And that your bad behavior makes you waste what God has trusted you with. See, some of you in this room, man, you, you are just so remarkable at leadership. And I'm just telling you, he did not give you that leadership ability for the benefit of intel. He gave you that leadership benefit for the kingdom. And what would it mean for you to take what God has given you and trusted you with and go, you know what, I'm just going to show up on a second Saturday, and I'm going to take a group of teenagers, and I'm just going to teach them leadership in the name of Jesus so that they might become curious about my heavenly Father. See, some of you have, some of you have wealth and asset, and you're going, I'm not No, 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 wait a minute. You're buying a car every two years. And is that really what God intended? And isn't the question, given the resource, given, given what God's given me, I wonder what he was hoping I would do to leverage some of my five talent, five bags of gold in the kingdom. See, some of you in here, you're your grandkids' favorite grandparent, and you know it. And you're telling me that God gave you that way with children, and you're not in the children's ministry? And I'm… See, if you're a five-bagger today, you just got to go, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
What is it God was hoping he would do when he gave me my cards? Because this isn't about fair. It's about what I do with what he gave me. Some of us in the room and you go, you know, Lynn, I'm, I'm, I'm probably some, you know, I'm one of those two-talent people. I, I know I'm, I'm not that five-talent person, but you're going to have to be really careful about comparison. Because you compare up and you're going to be bitter and angry that you didn't get what others got. You compare down and you're going to be paralyzed. You're going to go, you know what, I better be careful with what God gave me because I don't want to risk any of it because then I could become a one-talent person or one-bag person. And you'll be paralyzed. Some of you are one one bad Christians, and you're just going, man, I can't believe God was so unfair, and I don't get why I've got this physical challenge. I, I don't get why I was born with no ass. I, I just, man, I, I just don't get it. But you know what's interesting? Isn't it true? Isn't it true that our favorite story is these one bad guys when they get it right? When all of a sudden you see someone that says, man, by all human terms, there's no way that they should succeed. There's no way that they should be going where they're going. The only answer is that's God in their life. Isn't this our favorite story? So I'm, I'm on my trip this, this last week. I'm in Alabama, and I'm in the hotel room, and on ESPN comes this special. I, I don't know if you guys have figured this out or not. Everything you need to know about the Bible is somewhere on ESPN. It's somewhere there. And... And they tell this story, this great story about this kid who's seven years old, get this, who's born with no legs. Born with no legs, his parents are both drug addicts. They're selling drugs to support their habit. They get arrested. They get thrown in a federal penitentiary. He goes into the foster care system for over a year. And finally, one of the coaches at the little elementary school that he goes to sees him and takes him home. And the story was just so powerful, and so we brought part of it here for you. You get, you get that a seven-year-old just preached my sermon better than me. And you heard what he said. I was born with no legs, and that's okay because God made me that way. Talk about a young man who understands that life's not fair, but you simply do with whatever cards dealt with you what God would want you to do, which means you're 33, and the last three people you've dated were losers. And now you're dating no one. What do you do when you're 33 and the last three people you've dated were losers and now you're not dating? You do what anybody would do. Who knew? Those are the cards that God gave me. And he's hoping. He's hoping I'll play them well. What do you do when you're 50 years old and you've had all sorts of success in life and every door has opened and you've accumulated all sorts of success and resource and you suddenly wake up and realize, you know what, I think I've used it all in myself. I've dug a hole. You do what a 50-year-old does who's been highly successful and has spent most of their lives on themselves would do when they finally realize I'm on assignment and the unfairness of my blessing was actually intended to be used for his glory. And I'm just, guys, here's need to get a feeling there. Whatever that assignment is, you don't have to be stuck there. It's the assignment to move from there. What do you do when 
you finally find yourself with a physical disability that others don't have the challenge of going through. And, and your heart wants to say, wait a minute, God, why, why me? You do what anybody would do with a physical disability that you have if they realized they were on assignment and that God had not given them that capriciously, that it was actually God's best from here. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we've, we've been asking the wrong question. We, we've been saying, hey, God, why is life so unfair? And some of us have looked at others and said, they have more than me, and they've had greater opportunity than me, and they've had better home lives than me, and I, God, I just don't get why it's so unfair. Some of us have been blessed with abundance. We, the unfairness is that we have more than others. And we've thought that that was all intended for us. And either way, we've dug holes. We just said, hey, I, why am I going to try then? And God, I just ask today that you would give every person in this room the courage to say, it's the wrong question. It's never about, is it fair? The question is always, what should someone do who was given the cards that God gave me do? knowing that God was hoping that I would do something for him. And then give us the courage to simply do that. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.